The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Star Trek Picard, The Bounty. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to follow the secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, on your favorite podcast app, or at YouTube where you can watch us. And be sure to hit the bell to get notifications and subscribe to the channel. Uh, stick around to the end. We have some more great listener feedback and another show on the StarQuest network. You're sure to enjoy would be the raising the bets. That is, you can, that's the show I do with my wife, Melanie is what I was trying to say. And you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash bets. I'm so excited to talk about this episode that I'm leaping ahead, but uh, <laughs> is, is your and your wife's podcast articular? Is it the raising the bets or is it just raising the bets? It's just raising the bets. I just, was stumbling over my words because I'm so excited. Okay. Uh, you were combining yeah. two sentences into one. Yes, I was. Uh, so let's get to talking about the bounty. And Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happened? This week in a very special television event, we get a crossover episode between the Rafi Musiker show and the Captain Picard show. And the gang's all here. All of the next gen main characters are back together. The Titan is evading capture by Starfleet, so Vatic broadens her search to Picard's associates to try to find him. Beverly announces that Jack's visions are caused by Eremotic Syndrome, the genetic disease that killed Picard at the end of Season 1. Worf and Rafi beam on board and tell Picard what they've learned about the theft from Daystrom Station. They then go to the station and use the AI key to get Riker, Worf, and Rafi inside. But Starfleet shows up and the Titan is forced to flee. They go to the Fleet Museum where they make contact with Geordi LaForge. Geordi is now a family man who wants to help but is afraid to. His hand is forced when Jack and Geordi's daughter Sydney steal the cloaking device from a Klingon ship at the museum and install it on the Titan because, of course, you leave sensitive treaty-bound devices like cloaking <laughs> devices sitting around in a museum. And they need Geordi to manage the cloaking device, uh, which they then sneak, which they then use to sneak back to Daystrom Station. Inside, Riker, Worf, and Rafi have discovered that the station's security system is being run by a Sung-type android that looks like an older, more human version of Data. It has Data's memories as well as those of Lore, B4, and Lal. And it tries to communicate with our heroes with holograms, including one of Moriarty. They realize that the android has the knowledge they need about what was stolen by the changelings, but when the others beam out, Riker is left behind. On board the Titan, the android is reactivated, but it's suffering from multiple personality disorder. However, it reveals what the changelings stole, the human remains of Jean-Luc Picard. 
Meanwhile, Riker is taken aboard the Shrike, where Vadic reveals that she has Deanna as her prisoner. So with Picard, Riker, Data, Worf, Geordi, Beverly, and Deanna in this episode, the next-gen cast is finally fully engaged. The end. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'll, I'll go with that, because I, I brought up last time Wesley's not in, but Wesley didn't wasn't in he, all seven seasons, so that's He fine. wasn't in all seven. That's yeah. right. Okay, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll go with that. All right, so before we get into talking about the things... Uh, Wesley w- doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Will. Um, so, uh, Father Corey, what did you think of this episode? I, I enjoyed it. It, it was... Um, well, there will be some feedback where kind of this is kind of a, a filler episode, kind of a bridge episode towards to kind of get the final run. And I, I, I do kind of agree with that. Um, but it's I, I enjoyed it well enough. And then it, we will fair warning to our, our our listeners. If you're not ship geeks, there will be a sizable <laughs> chunk of this podcast. You will probably <laughs> skip. Uh, but we'll get to that geekery when the time comes. Yep. Uh, Jimmy, thoughts? I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it it had some flaws. There was like one sequence in it where they're simultaneous. We're intercutting between the station and the Daystrom station and the the and the Titan, and they're playing this romantic music and using this romantic intercutting. It's not real romance, but it's it's this warm, fuzzy kind of feeling as um, Alton Inigo Sung is making a dramatic voiceover about evolution and life and giving back and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, I see what you're doing here. Can I just get on with the plot now? Um, <laughs> yeah. So it had some flaws, but it was enjoyable. Um, it, uh, it it had some really nice moments. There's a great moment where Captain Shaw gets to meet Geordi LaForge, and he's totally geeking out. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, so impressed. Um, as a with former getting, engineer, yeah. As a, as a yeah. former engineer with getting to meet Geordi LaForge. It's like this is – he's just totally starstruck by LaForge, which is, which is awesome. And LaForge is talking about the state of the Titan, and – and LaForge says, you're spewing fumes through layers of 21st century duct tape. <laughs> and he, I checked, he does say 21st century mm-hmm. duct tape. And it's like, I think that's a line misread. I think he meant to say 24th century duct tape. Because even mm. though the they're in the 25th century now, yeah. and the Titan has parts that are like 20 years old, but I don't think anything goes back to the 2000s in it. Yeah. Um, but Jordy says you're spewing fumes through layers of 21st century duct tape. And Shaw says, yeah, it's been a weird week. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good line. It's been a weird week. <laughs> it's a weird line, though, like 24th century duct tape. Like, would you say, oh, you're you're spew, your your uh, Mustang is having troubles. You're spewing fumes through 21st century linen, like, or you know, some ancient fabric or something it's kind of a weird because i know it's they're trying to relate to a 21st century audience but kind of a weird line um oh i assume they'll be using duct tape in the 24th century so yeah it'll last forever i guess it'll Uh, and it'll 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 be then what it is now it's like oh you can fix everything (laughs) with either duct tape or wd-40 yep do you get a leak in your warp core slap some duct tape on that sucker (laughs) (laughs) so uh you know the 
we have Vadek and they're chasing down the Titan throughout this. I mean, there's a actually, Oh, I didn't give my first, my impression. Sorry. I should do that. Uh, I got distracted by duct tape and I, I agree. There's nothing it can't do. Yeah, there is yeah. nothing it can't do. And hopefully it can fix my uh, speaking. It, uh, I agree. In general, this was not the best episode. I mean, it's not a bad episode. Uh, it it does feel like this is setting us up for the the closeout. But there were parts of this that, just as a Star Trek fan, you know, were fan service that I just kind of paused on a regular basis, going, "Oh look, oh look, oh that's so fun!" And I think it kind of made up for any deficiencies in in plotting or characterization that might have been there or you know things that weren't that were we always had to get to daystrom and figure out what was missing and they spent a whole episode doing that and so to compensate for spending so much time of a limited season they gave us some fun fan service in it. And I, that's, that's how I approach it. Including one piece of fan service that I'm sure we'll get to that I think is rather controversial. I agree. I agree. Yeah. That should be interesting. Uh, So we have uh, this scene where, well, one thing I want to bring up for first with uh, the strike and Vodic changelings used to not kill each other. Right. That was like a Mm -hmm. violent thing. Changing, killing each other. These changelings anyway, don't seem to have the same reluctance. Yeah, there's a moment early on where um, Vodic is talking to her crew, whose faces we still have never seen. They're they're shrouded, and you know they were they're wearing masks, and they talk in this clicking language. And um, she's talking to them, and one of them is is giving her some pushback. Uh, saying things aren't going so well for us. Maybe we, and he's about to say, he's in the process of saying, maybe we need new leadership. When Vodic like gives a signal, like a nod to another crew member who then vaporizes the first one. Mm -hmm. I don't think Vodic, at least, I mean, I could be wrong, but the evidence at this point, I think, suggests that Vodic and her crew are not true changelings. Um, Vodic... Um, I mean, number one, there's the fact they they kill each other, you know, but also um, Vodic's hand thing, you know, where she cuts off her hand to communicate it, it. That seems weird for true changelings. But then there's this line where um, where. Riker, after Riker is brought aboard the Shrike at the end of the episode, he turns to one of her crew members and says, how much of that goo did they pour into you? Mm. And so I'm thinking that Vatic and her crew may not be true changelings, but are like changeling solid hybrids of some kind. Mm. Interesting. That's, yeah, I mean, we, we see that. You know, when she is communicating with her, whoever her handler is, whoever her, her, her superior handler. Is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't intend the pun. I'll accept it. I'll take it. It's <laughs> a good pun. It was totally not intended. But when she she's talking to her superior, uh, he's like, you're all expendable. And again, for for true changelings, that would never be said. Yeah, you know, they, they would rather back off and go do another tack at doing what they're trying to do than lose any of their own. Yeah, and in fact, the female changeling told Wei Yun in Deep Space Nine that the war with the Alpha Quadrant is a low priority for the changelings. That um, it's they would 
give up any ambitions in the Alpha Quadrant if it meant getting Odo back. And mm-hmm. Odo is and his survival is more important than than the entire Alpha Quadrant. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Vadic does give a speech about, you know, vengeance against the Federation. And mm-hmm. the implication is vengeance for the you know, the the virus that affected the Great Link and, you know, the and the, the loss of the war. Um, and, you know, we have to have vengeance before we can have peace. But maybe it's not the dominion that who wants vengeance for something maybe it's somebody else who also has reasons to seek revenge well and and we know that these this is a spin-off group from the changelings they've said that fairly early on uh that this is this is a, a rebel group this is you know this is they, they they're not responding to the great link they're on their own yeah so maybe yeah so it could be in that sense that there's also possible they could just be changelings who just have a different attitude and we know that they are changelings, including going into uh, up through the ranks of, of the Federation, because she's, you know, she says that, you know, some of their 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 siblings, their comrades are trapped in human form. Mm-hmm. Vadik also, we get to see her change because initially mm-hmm. she is the guard that's brutalizing Riker and then she transforms into Vadik, which is a great turn. You know, it, it, her, the actress is is really nice as soon as she becomes Vatic. It's like, hi there. <laughs> <laughs> Suitably creepy. Uh, so uh, switching gears, what do you think of this reveal that Jack, his visions, Beverly diagnoses them as Eremotic Syndrome, which is the disease that Picard has? He, he may or may not have eremotic syndrome, but I don't I don't buy that that's the full story. Um, having eremotic syndrome does not turn you into a magical killing machine. It does not give you audible hallucinations of your mother saying, find me. Right. Um, so I think this is Changeling Beverly, who has realized what's going on with Jack and is using the eremotic syndrome story as a cover he may have it. He may not. But um, but she's using it as a cover and she gave him medicine ostensibly to treat the eremotic syndrome. And she says it'll it'll help control his hallucinations. OK, so she's given him medicine to interfere with his visions that are telling him to make contact. Mm-hmm. What if uh, the Beverly if, if Beverly is indeed a changeling here? What if the Beverly changeling is the female changeling from DS9 in opposition to Vadix's terrorist faction? That would be fascinating. And I think Salome Jens is still alive, so they could have her reprise the role. Yeah, that would be. That would be. I kind of like that idea. I would like that. Yeah, you would think that Beverly would be aware of this syndrome possibly being passed down to Jack like from the moment she realized that she was pregnant with with him mm-hmm. you know the second she realized she was going to have Picard's son she would realize that there's a chance that this could be a genetic well did we thing. all did Picard always know he had aromatic syndrome no um they first introduced the idea in the season finale 
of next gen in at the end of season seven, right. where he's, oh, he's yeah. having that alternate future. And yeah. in the alternate future, he has eromotic syndrome. So that's where he learned about it. But he would have known by the time and Beverly would have known by the time she became pregnant with Jack. That's right. True. That would have, that happened essentially right after that. So, OK. Yeah. Well, after, after a few yeah. movies. Yeah. Well, right. right. And after all that, after all that happened from all good things. Um, he was scanned and, and you've got this little thing in your brain that could eventually become this. Yeah, that happened in all, uh, all, in, all good in, things. in all good things. And they kind of wave their hand at the idea that it takes it, it progresses differently in different people. And so that's why Jack is got it earlier than Picard yeah. ever did. Uh, the but either way, she would be she would be scanning him on a regular basis to make sure that it isn't setting in. And when it does start setting in, she could act on it very quickly. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jack has just been given a terminal diagnosis and he's initially having some trouble dealing with it. And he's like, if only you were as good at passing on genetics as you are wisdom to his father. Um, And he has this line about maybe I was doomed before I was even born. And I'm like, Jack. That's all of us. We're all doomed before we're even born. We're all going to die, you included. Right. In fact, it kind of comes up again in this episode, this idea that we're all going to die. Um, and he, in fact, he says to, in that line, my mother thought to protect me from being collateral damage in the life of Jean-Luc Picard by hiding him away. The irony is I was doomed by you before I was born. You know, that in that sense, it, it, it is. I, I suppose when you're young. You know, you're in your early 20s, you, you you think you're immortal. And so the idea of your mortality, even though it's real for all of us, is is remote, I guess. But um, good to yeah. be reminded of that. I had lessons in my early 20s that, mm-hmm. I mean, when my wife died at age 27, okay, nobody is guaranteed a time. Yeah, And then I had I moved out to California for work and I had a second, third story apartment and there was this little nest of robins on my on my balcony and i saw them try to raise eggs multiple times and it's like nobody is guaranteed a time <laughs> right you know? right including the robins so uh we get the crossover episode we've all been looking forward to the rafi uh Picard crossover. And so <laughs> rafi and wharf show up titan is orbiting this star and Rafi and Worf beam aboard. Where'd they beam aboard from? <laughs> well, this I've seen this commented on. Obviously, they apparently took the La Serena, but they don't mention it. And who knows, who knows where it is? Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, before we uh, go there, um, the, uh, you know, we probably want to comment for just a second on Vadik's broadening her search to all of Picard's known associates and right. all of mm-hmm. his colleagues, all of his friends. She doesn't know if he has any family, but if he has family, it includes them because he's going to turn to someone is her idea. And we want to be there first. And that's apparently how she gets Deanna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they don't make that explicit but apparently she scooped up diana as part of the get picard's associates right if that's really diana diana which angels you never know but yeah yeah i i one thing i will object to you both keep saying crossover no this is a reverse spinoff instead of a new (laughs) series spinning off of an old one this is two series spinning into one so (laughs) this is this is not a crossover because i don't think they're going to split these 
out again. No, I doubt they will. But I've been <laughs> I just it's just paying off a joke that I've been doing in the yeah. recaps because I know when they yeah. introduced Rafi in this season, it's like she's in her own show. She's not interacting <laughs> with anybody yeah. else. And so I started the idea of the Rafi Musiker show and I've just been playing it out. So in the episode yeah. where where she wasn't in it at all, I said she's on mid-season hiatus. Yeah. And so now <laughs> now it's like I'm describing it no, as I'm, a crossover. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm not objecting to that. I'm saying that they, they've taken the two shows and they merged it back into one. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of the last guess, guess, the, guess the ratings for the Rafi Musiker show weren't weren't big enough to support it on its own, so they had to fold it back in. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so speaking of the last arena, didn't that have a cloaking device too? Hmm, that could have come in handy at some point when they needed a cloaking device. Uh, but uh, the, let's just forget that because these other we wanted to do this other thing, so we'll get to that. Uh, so I, they I do, I do, I do like when they show up that um Ra- that Worf knows to the day how long it's been since he saw Picard and says, other than your infrequent communications, an annual bottle of sour mead. <laughs> People in this season keep dissing uh, Picard's wine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like the gallo of uh, French wines yeah. now as a Chateau Picard. And, and Picard is like, what? And Riker says, Chateau Picard. And, and, and Worf says, it is quite tart, sir. <laughs> Klingon blood wine must be sweet as fruit punch. Let me tell you. Oh, yeah. So, uh, they they come up with the they, idea. Klingons have high A1C. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they need lots of glucose for uh, their their uh, aggressiveness. They 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 decide they need to break into Daystrom. So Picard says, uh, "So we must burgle the very institution hunting us." And Riker says, "Excellent use of the word burgle, Admiral." <laughs> oh, I, I love Sean's reaction to where he kind of smiles and yeah, kind of nods and agrees. <laughs> I just thought that was hysterical. Like it was out of nowhere. Like this very mm-hmm. serious situation. Excellent use of the word burgle, Admiral. <laughs> um, so. Uh, the then we also have this thing where like seven shows up and you know Rafi and seven had this relationship that's apparently over and Worf tries to make it sound okay that seven I, and Rafi are going on this dangerous yeah, mission together. I, I I love I love how I mean I would have been happy for them to just ignore the yeah. the mm-hmm. relationship but they treat it very lightly and move past it very rapidly and there's fun dialogue as they do it because yeah. Worf is stumbles into this scene where they're talking and he and they're about to go to Daystrom station and he thinks Seven is going with them yeah and so he's trying to put a good face on things and he says accompanying lovers into battle can be therapeutic I've done it many times and Seven says I'm not going and he <laughs> says that is a relief. I was practicing deceit. Breakups on my world rarely end without bloodshed. <laughs> well, and, and all of us fans are thinking about the time he went into the mission with the, Jad Zia. Jad Zia. Yes. Yep. <laughs> That's not a good idea. <laughs> um, so they get to Daystrom and these other ships are there. They're apparently tracking Titan. Uh, she's oh, le- oh. We, 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 we should comment on the line that's in the trailers. That because as they're about to beam on to Daystrom Station, mm-hmm. you know, um, Worf makes this comment about I prefer pacifism now. And Riker says, we're all going to die. <laughs> and yep. 
And and it's clear that this is not and fans were so upset about this, you know, about Worf being a pacifist. And it's clear he's not a pacifist. Klingon pacifism is, is not the same is, thing. <laughs> yeah, this is this is being played as a joke. Yeah. Well, and, and Riker even, you know, had even commented that if this doesn't work, we'll need some Klingon offense. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. Yeah. And, and he, yep. that's where he says, I'm a, I prefer pacifism to violence now. Yes. Yeah. It's like I prefer it. It's not like he's not willing to use violence. Yes. Yeah. So the one nice thing is when when they are at Daystrom and these sh- starships are there, uh, they show up to you know protect it and, and get the Titan. Is they mention that these ships, these particular ships, have traceable phasers. When they hit you, mm-hmm. it's like a tag, and they can track the tag. I'm like, that's a brilliant technology. That's why, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you you should have technology like this where you could tag a ship so you can follow it if you ever need to. That's that's a great idea. So I like that the Escalon class starships. Also, I like when they get into Daystrom, you know, they they use the the chip that they got from the Vulcan gangster. And there's kind of a moment where they're not sure if it's going to work, but then it does. And I like what the AI security system says, you know, after it recognizes this, their 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 fake credentials. It says, thank you. Have a wonderful day. And please, no food or beverages in the research area. (laughs) (laughs) No flash photography. Uh, uh, We do. They do say, uh, oh, Section 31 is hiding all the good stuff here on Daystrom. And again, another mention of Section 31, the most secret organization that everyone's heard of. (laughs) Dom, that ship has sailed. I know. I know. It just it it just cracks me up because I I love how much of a big deal they made of it being secret in DS9. But it was at the time and after the Dominion War. It came to light because they were they were pivotal in the Dominion War and they were both the solution. They were both of the solutions to the problem of the Great Link. They created the virus. They infected the Great Link and then they gave him the cure. Yeah. Unwillingly, but they gave him the cure. So it's natural that high ranking Starfleet officers will know who they are now. That's Um, true. And even Captain Sisko. You know, when he first heard about him, I mean, he did some checking and he and he and he got these ambiguous responses where the Glomar response is effectively I can either confirm or deny that Section 31 exists. So they so I don't see any problem when when, you know, Worf says Section 31's hiding its stuff here and Riker's like, what? Starfleet intelligence. And he's like, I know who they are. I meant what in another sense. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. So uh, they are hiding all the good stuff there, including oh, a yeah. copy oh, of the Genesis here, device. Here we go. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. That's tribbles, fine. Tribbles. <laughs> Genetically modified tribbles that are yes. big and will attack. It's scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big, big teeth. And James T. Kirk's body. And that's or, the one you or mentioned. Or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's James T. Kirk's, it, whether it's his body or whether it's him in stasis. Right. Is ambiguous. Okay. They they show us this screen and I've seen some people who've tried to do blow ups of the screen apparently. uh, So what we see is an image that looks like an x-ray of his Mm -hmm. of his skeleton. Mm -hmm. But um, but it's got some medical readings around it and it's got a biography of him at the bottom. And the biography is apparently listed lifted from someone's Web page. Um, oh. <laughs> and it like has mistaken dates for went for the five year mission and stuff. Mm. But someone who's blown it up has and tried to read it, even though it's fuzzy, has said that there is an allusion to him being critically injured 
at the end of generations, not killed, but mm. critically injured. And so the death of Kirk has always been controversial uh, because even though he dies heroically at the end of the movie Star Trek Generations, it's been felt that, I mean, originally Malcolm McDowell was going to kill him. Mm. And then they didn't like the way that was working. So they reshot it and he falls off of a off of a bridge, basically, and dies at the foot of a mountain and uh, with only Picard there. And then Picard apparently single handedly lugs his body up to the top of the mountain and puts it under rocks. And apparently that was a signal for here's where to pick it up. Section 31 guys, <laughs> yeah, because now, now it's in Daystrom station and it's not clear if he's meant to be alive or dead. Um, now William Shatner wrote some or hired someone to write, mm -hmm. to ghost write for him some Star Trek novels in which Kirk, does is brought back from the dead uh, by Borg implants or something like that. I, I, I don't know the details. I think I've you're right on that. that. Yeah. Um, but in so in William Shatner's um, Shatner verse Star Trek novels, Kirk does come back from the dead. And this may be a nod to that. But I've also but I, I think it's a little um, <clears throat> risky as as a piece of fan service cuz i it's unlikely they're going to pay this off at any time in the near future and and william shatner himself is probably unavailable to reprise the part he's like 92 years old mm -hmm. and so people can look at this as yeah it's an attempt to be clever and cute and raise possibilities but cuz otherwise why would you why would you want the body in this secret facility it should be in a in an ordinary grave in Arlington Cemetery or something where space Arlington Cemetery <laughs> where people can come and honor it. Um, so you can look at this as a kind of further cheapening of, of Kirk's already controversial death. So uh, I had an idea and bear with me for mm -hmm. a second. So the, the CBS and Paramount have been having this terrible trouble trying to make more Kelvin timeline Trek movies, trying mm -hmm. to get the whole cast together and the, all that stuff like that. What if it's not Shatner Kirk, but Pine Chris, Kirk? Chris, Chris Pine Kirk has been from the alternate over timeline and, <laughs> and is now dead. Okay, I'm on board with that. Or in stasis, or in some kind yeah. of stasis. Yeah, where as long uh, as it's as long as it stops him from making more movies, I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> well, just don't let don't let JJ Abrams make them. <laughs> I'm I'm also fine with with. Section 31 thinking for some reason they need Kirk's body. I mean, because we're going to we're going to talk about the big MacGuffin hunt. That's going to be the rest of the series here shortly. Yes. That Section 31 had that is very related to that. So, <laughs> you know, I'm I don't have a problem with it that maybe they think there was something because he went through the nexus or who knows what and why that or just because he cheated death so many times and, you know, he need to be studied or maybe who knows the head of Section 31 Bashir is a fanboy of, of Kirk. And so he <laughs> wanted his body here i don't know well, it is funny <laughs> that be. that ds9 episode where they end up on the uh the trouble with tribbles episode mm -hmm. in you yeah. know where uh they were he was trials kind of, and tribulations trials yeah he's yeah. just kind of fanboying over kirk You're like is that kirk is that kirk i do remember yeah. that I yeah. also want to mention a couple other things that you just kind of see in the background very quickly. Uh, there's a Borg Vinculum, which we mm -hmm. saw in Prodigy recently. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Thaleron generator from Nemesis, mm -hmm. the, the okay. device that wiped out the Senate. 
the right. Romulan Senate. Right. And, and the Genesis device. I don't want to you know, breeze past yeah, Genesis that. too. That was uh, that was there too. So <laughs> that's a pretty. You can go on a. I can't remember who it is, but you can go on a Twitter and they showed behind the scenes where they they actually created it and had it behind the set. Yeah. And the thing's six foot tall or better. Yeah. I mean, it's huge and it looks really cool. Someone put, I want one. Put the links on our Discord. So if you go to our Discord at uh, sqpn.com slash Discord, you'll you can find the links there. I, I want a little two foot tabletop model because <laughs> it up. looks really cool. And you know, has, it's all lit up with LEDs with the and, smoke everything. and everything. Just, just don't put any proto matter in it. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Bring back my dead dog. Uh, so the uh, so the essentially Daystrom uh, station is Starfleet's Area 51, right? You know, the the mm-hmm. warehouse of uh, fantastic uh, things or warehouse 13, which was a fun series. With remarkable, both it and the Fleet Museum have remarkably lax security. <laughs> yes, they yeah. do. Uh, it's, it, you can get into them and take stuff out of them far more easily than should be the case for major military bases, mm-hmm. especially right. secret classified ones. Which should be crawling with guards, like living guards. But OK, yeah. so let's talk about the AI security system that they've they uh, it turns out. I think, Jimmy, you had predicted that it would be data or lore. Well, I predicted it would be Moriarty and and Moriarty is part of it because yep. Moriarty is a yep. holographic projection created by Data, who is the security system, which is mm-hmm. implausible and has to be very recent because um, so the android that they find, which is not in a f- perfect functioning state, it's basically sitting there. Um, was created by Alton Inigo Sung, who we met in season one of Picard. And after he, um, after he gave, and he had been preparing a body for himself, which he then gave to Picard to enable Picard to become a robot. And so Picard is a toaster now, um, but now he doesn't have a, a, a body. And so after to transfer his own consciousness into. So he started building a new one. And then in the romantic voiceover they give us, he's explaining about he decided evolution is not about survival. It's about adding something. And I'm going, no, 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 no. <laughs> evolution is about survival by means of repl- genetic replication. And the, the it doesn't automatically involve adding anything. It may involve subtracting stuff because what it's really about is adapting to environmental conditions. And through random processes, those a- adaptations may be either additions or subtractions or lateral changes. But it's all about adapting to environmental conditions so you can survive and your genes want to survive. That is what evolution. That's that's the whole story with evolution, dude. Um, But he has this magical, non-scientific understanding of evolution about its adding things. So he decided to build a new robot body that he would put the memories of data, lol, before lore and himself in mm-hmm. and only it didn't work and he so it has these conflicting personalities that are partitioned from each other and because he wanted to integrate them into one new better personality and it didn't work so the personalities aren't interacting properly and then he died 
And then Section 31 classified all his research and took the android. And in the last two years, apparently, during the course of season two, you know, because he was in he was he hadn't done any of this yet before the end of season one. So this is Mm -hmm. all in the last, you know, year and a half, maybe from Star Trek perspective, they they. He he built this thing. He died. They scooped it up and immediately made it their security system. <laughs> well, somebody said, "Hey, what's the best AI security?" Yeah. The the misfunctioning android with multiple personality disorder, one of which is evil. <laughs> that's what you want to make your security system. Yes. I don't think that's a good idea. Well, not just as one of one of them evil, but one of them is like a five year old. Yeah, one of them's a five-year-old. You can trick the five-year-old, or you can bribe the evil one, or he'll or he'll spill your secrets for fun. Or you give <laughs> him access to a, a station full of dangerous weapons of mass destruction, yeah. like the Genesis device. Yeah, that's Appar- apparently they don't have bootloaders in the twenty-fifth century either for <laughs> multi-boot systems. <laughs> Could you boot data for me, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, and then of course, you know, Starfleet, as you mentioned, shows up. Uh, the Titan has to. To hit the road, uh, otherwise they're going to get tagged. And so they go to the Fleet Space Museum just down the street uh, because Picard wants to get Jordy's help, figure out how to get back onto Daystrom. So Jordy's there. He's the Commodore in charge of the Fleet Space Museum, and he's his other daughter, Alondra, who now is, is his bio daughter right, in real is, life. Yes, is uh, is um, what's his name? Lavar <laughs> Burton's actual daughter. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they beam aboard. He's not exactly welcoming them with open arms. I I felt like the Jordy in this is not uh, is kind of mischaracterized. He's different. He's un, unreasonably overprotective of Sydney. You know, she's a Starfleet officer with a duty to perform, and he's like negotiating to get her off the Titan, and then he'll help them or something. You know, it's it's kind of uh, it's like no, what it happened wasn't to even that. He just wanted her off the Titan. And protected. Yeah. He wasn't going to help him. Um, so, well, this is part of their thing. This is 20 years later, and we're seeing all these characters in new contexts. Jordy is not the helpful, gung ho subordinate that he was in Next Gen. He's a family man now. He has mm-hmm. different priorities. He needs he's to a family protect man his family. And he's, and he's a bureaucrat now. He, you know, he yeah. talks, the first thing mm-hmm. he says, I've got three letters that I've written to the fleet against, you know, taking or to Starfleet against taking all the fleet and having all in one place. And he's more worried about the paperwork he's been doing than helping them. Yeah. He also, and part of this is also because of um, it's, it's a request from LeVar Burton because in next gen, he had a Samantha Carter syndrome going on where every woman he meets, (laughs) there's a problem. Right. And, and so he he developed his character developed this reputation of being shy around women. He's not the womanizer that Riker is. Right. And so LeVar Burton resented the fact that his character was portrayed as clumsy around women. And he wanted he wanted um, it to be paid off as he becomes a successful family man mm-hmm. um, to to show that's not fundamentally who he is he's not mr mr clumsy around women he he can have a successful relationship and get married and have daughters who he loves and cares about very much and that are big items on his priority list 
So let's get to the part of the show where we discuss all of the awesome ships that are at the Fleet Museum. <laughs> so there's the Defiant. So yeah. so I, I just want to make it clear, ship design is not my thing. I did enjoy seeing, you know, some of these famous ships. Yeah. I thought it's remarkable. Okay, guys, there really aren't, more, you know, why is it all of them except the New Jersey I know about? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. that so I think they could have balanced it a little bit differently. Jack, it turns out, is a total ship geek. He, yes, he yes. really loves the one of us. He, <laughs> yeah, he, he really loves the Constitution class starships, even though he's not a Starfleet guy. He loves the ship. So it's OK. I could accept that. He's just like a okay, Jack is a ship geek. He's like Dom and Father Corey It's <laughs> not my thing, but it's fine for him. So and having said that, I'll let you guys geek out. <laughs> so this Thank is the, you. <laughs> the Defiant A, obviously the a. second Defiant, the Sao Paulo that became the, the second Defiant, which has which we discussed in Discord, whether it had a cloaking device that they should have stolen instead of the other mm-hmm. one from the Klingons. Uh, but apparently the that Sao was Paulo from the Romulans. Yeah, right. Yes. And in the it first was the Defiant. first Defiant. Yeah. And so the second one never got another cloaking device. There's. There's no evidence, at least in in canon, that any of the other Defiant class ships got a uh, cloaking device, just the original Defiant. Because there was a question on Discord, why didn't they take the cloaking device from the Defiant, which would have been a much more recent model of cloaking device and Romulan. And compatible with Federation technology. Yeah, Yeah. compatible with Federation technology versus the one from the HMS Bounty, yep. which is part one of the ships, the, the ship that was used in the search for whales yep. mm-hmm. with its cloaking device. That's the one they ended up taking. I thought for sure they were going to take the Bounty itself. They were going to take I, the Bird I, of Frey, Prey. I yeah. thought that too, but they didn't. They just <sighs> took the cloaking device, which is actually a callback to the second appearance of the cloaking device. In the original series, in the Enterprise incident, mm-hmm. So they learn about the cloaking device in um, Balance of Terror. Balance of Terror. Yeah. And then a season or two later, they revisit the concept. And now that the Federation knows about the cloaking device, they send Kirk to steal one. And mm-hmm. he gets on board the Romulan ship made up as a Romulan. He steals their cloaking device. He brings it. It's the same prop as Nomad, just turned the other way up. Mm-hmm. And he, he brings it. Back to the Enterprise, Scotty installs it in the Enterprise cloaks. So they've established that these are portable devices that are sufficiently compatible with Federation technology. You can make them work. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so and they call the the episode Bounty. I'm like, oh, yes, that's they're going to take it. But oh, they didn't do that. Oh, I didn't see that. I, yeah. I saw the it's like a bounty hunt, although there's no bounty hunting in it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the title is two references. There's the, you know, the, the crew is wanted. The t- crew of the Titan is wanted. But then there's also the, the HMS bounty, yeah. which we, we still get to you. We still get to see and they still yeah. use parts of it. So. So also some other ships, there is the uh, Enterprise A. So the refit mm-hmm. Enterprise, the New Jersey, which is an original Constitution class. Yeah. The, from TOS. Now, now this is an important discussion. <laughs> we need to well, we need to be clear about a couple of things. The Enterprise A is not a refit. That was a new ship that was built after the original Enterprise oh, refit was destroyed after over the Genesis Wales. planet. Right, 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 right. Yes, uh, right. No, s- search for Spock. No, but I mean, well, they didn't get the ship until the, the end. The of, ship was built. The A was built yeah, after, but that is, that was a new ship. Yep. Um, but yeah, then we have the the Constitution class New Jersey, and this first of all is a payoff of a thirty year old throwaway line. From the TNG episode 
Relics, which is the Scotty, Scotty episode. Yeah. Where Scotty's on the he's drunk and he's on the the holodeck version of the original Enterprise Bridge. Picard walks in and he says, oh, Constitution class. Scotty's, oh, you're, you're familiar with them. Oh, yes. There's one in the Fleet Museum. Oh, OK. And this pays off that line. OK. And mm-hmm. now there's controversy because this is the TOS style Constitution class. Not not the strange new worlds class. And my opinion. In Star Trek, refits means a ship of thesis issue where you could just completely tear the ship apart and rebuild it. And it's just a refit. OK, that, but that's a different thing than it looks like a, the TOS and uh, version Enterprise looks like that. Yeah. Whereas in Strange New Worlds, we've changed and Discovery. We've changed the past and things look differently. I was surprised that they didn't use a ship that looked like. The strange new worlds because we've established and, this new continuity. Yeah, but the it, it it's not a new continuity. It's in strange new worlds. It's just a new visualization. A visual and, continuity. And, yeah. and and yeah. you can harmonize it by saying after Captain Pike's time, they do a refit, and we yep. it'll look like Kirk's Enterprise. And so they should they but they want the nostalgia of it looks like Kirk's Enterprise. So that's what they show us. Um, yep. And beyond that, one should. Just use the MST3K mantra. Repeat after me. It's just a show. I should really just relax. <laughs> um, but the what's notable about the New Jersey, other than the fact we've never heard of it, is it's named the New Jersey, and its registry number is NCC. 1975. And these are references to the showrunner, Terry Metalis, who is from New Jersey and was born in 1975. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so that 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 was that was my point on the refit is all you have to do is say, well, they refit the ship between here and here. And that's why it looks different. Mm -hmm. So. So the the other one we see, of course, is Voyager. And that's Mm -hmm. causes seven to have some nostalgia because that's Mm -hmm. her ship uh, where she was reborn, as she says. And she's talking to Jack. yeah. And there's it's that classic bottom view where you see the deflector dish and it's un, the underside of the saucer section. Right. And Jack and Seven have this conversation where. Um, oh, the, I should also mention, even though I'm not a ship geek, I have been listening to ship geeks and they point out that we also see an NX01 refit. The NX01 yes, refit was planned for the fifth season of Enterprise, which never got made. And mm-hmm. so this would suggest that they that that's likely the NX01 that the, that's yep. likely the original Enterprise right. that then did get refit and had continued to have adventures that we never saw on screen. Yep. Uh, so on uh, Jack and Seven's conversation, they they have this you know about crew being family, starship family, and connection and. Jack says here, we all long for connection, but we're all just a little bit alone. Stars in the same galaxy, but light years between us, which is interesting, given that in his previous conversation with Picard, he's telling Picard, I don't need connection. So mm-hmm. something is switched here. He, he's I think I think this is he he realizes it, that he does want the familiar the connection of family and all that. But he's fighting against it because it's Picard. Right. I think it's just that simple that it's it, this isn't a, a, a mistake in writing or anything like that. It's it's he's rebelling against yeah. the idea of being Picard's son, but he realizes he needs that connection too. his previous comments can be taken in the, as Father Corey indicates in the sense of 
I don't need connections means I don't want a connection with you. Right. Exactly. Right. And this is him yeah. kind of, I think it, I think by having him say this here, it's him highlighting that. Mm-hmm. And right. they've also, it's part of his character arc. They've been developing his character. He's much less antisocial than he was when he started out. Um, you know, after the conversation with Riker and, uh, and Picard, if I recall correctly, a few episodes ago about, hey, all these people don't like you because they're putting their lives on the line for you and you're being a jerk to them. You could be a little bit mm-hmm. nicer. He's been making an obvious effort to be nicer. That's true. Yep. That's true. To um, the point that he gets uh, Jordy's attention about his how nice he's being to his daughter. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, <laughs> Back but, off, um, Picard. <laughs> there, there are a bunch of other little uh, other ships that you could kind of see in the background. You, Jimmy mentioned the Annex 01 refit. Uh, the Excelsior is there. Of course, we knew that. That was in the, the closing credits. The Excelsior at NCC 2000 was there. Uh, there was a Nebula class, which was one of the ships that, the Farragut was one of the ships that rescued the Enterprise crew in Generations. Um, there was a ship of the Stargate, the same class as the Stargazer, but mm-hmm, yep. apparently not the Stargazer because you know Picard would have said something if it was there. Plus, the Stargazer is um, still in service. We saw well, yeah, the but last that's a new, well, no, new Stargazer. Oh, the His original Picard Stargazer. I see what you're Yeah, saying. the original Stargazer. Yeah. Uh, a Romulan bird of prey. Uh, and then, of course, there was other Klingon ships and many other little ships I really couldn't see clearly. Klingon so, battlecruiser, yeah. yeah. So yep. I've been to the USS Nimitz Fleet Museum here in San Diego, and um, you can get on it and walk around it. And um, and uh, and so I, I assume that that's what happens here. Jordy mentions thousands of people come to see these ships. I assume they don't just fly around and look at them from the outside. Mm-hmm. It's like another museum, a naval museum, where you can get on board and, and take tours. And um, and so, you know, I've, I've been to one of these. Uh, the Nimitz was, uh, you know, an aircraft carrier, a very famous one. It's now parked in San Diego Harbor. And um, and it's interesting to go see Um, it's really cramped in there, you know, for the all the men who who served on it. And there are no cloaking devices or weapons left inside. And um, so I I find it implausible that they wouldn't. I'm sure that you can go on these ships and they would have, you know, basic computers given the mm-hmm. ubiquity of computers in the 25th century but they should have stripped out everything of value before turning it into a museum <laughs> yeah. by the way jimmy uh, mm-hmm. did you mean the midway midway uh, the, mid- the midway i'm sorry yeah yeah, yeah. because still I, in service yeah because yeah. last time i was in san diego i was able to see it and then jimmy and i had a nice lunch afterwards <laughs> after i did the tour of the midway so nice so uh i, I did want to go back and comment on Riker kind of figuring out the puzzle of Moriarty and the AI security system because yeah. he's he, they're hearing this noise over the comm system and he determines that it's musical notes. He's a musician, right? He's, then, he's apparently got, I don't know if it's perfect pitch, but he can, he can recognize a musical note mm-hmm. and name what it is yeah. by <laughs> hearing it. Yeah. Um, and so he's identifying these individual notes then they see a holographic raven fly up to them. Then Moriarty appears and menaces them. 
And then Riker from the scattered notes, because we don't hear enough to identify the melody. It's just a note every so often. Mm-hmm. Riker realizes it's Pop Goes the Weasel. Right. Which is the tune that Data was attempting to hum in Encounter at Farpoint on the holodeck when we first meet the two, when the yep. two of them first meet each other. And um, Data was having this, you know, even though, dude, you've got a, you've got a, you've got a chip. You, you can make, just pucker your lips and play whistling noises. This shouldn't be a problem for an Android. It's not a problem for a phone now. Um, but Data's having trouble whistling and, and he's doing Pop Goes the Weasel, but doing it very badly. And Riker finally goes, and Data says, marvelous. And so Riker in this episode goes, and Moriarty says, marvelous. And Riker has pieced together that this is really data because Pop goes the weasel. He dreamed of Ravens. He dreamed about fighting Moriarty as Sherlock Holmes. All of these elements put together say data, only he's not communicating in a straightforward way. So this must be an attempt at communication in a non-straightforward way. Yes. And, and by the way, before we have any bird geeks or bird brains, maybe you can call them. Uh, no, uh, maybe we it's should. It's a crow. <laughs> crow is a crow, not a raven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so. We talked about Sydney and Jack getting together, coming up with the idea of stealing the cloaking device from the bounty uh, and installing it. And of course, they they can't get it installed themselves. Jordy has to show up and save the day because Jordy is like Scotty, you know, the great engineer mm-hmm. who can do do magic with the ships. And with 21st uh, century duct tape. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, they uh, and and that's. Uh, that's the scene where uh, Jordy gets a little uh, salty with with Jack. Like, and, back and off, <laughs> stay, stay away, away from, from my, my daughter. daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and Sydney does the dad. Uh, yeah, you're embarrassing and, and, and me. Jack's just like, mm, don't look at me. <laughs> oh, now that's an idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then meanwhile, back at Daystrom, uh, the guards have finally shown up, <laughs> and so uh, uh, Riker ends up sacrificing himself so that. Uh, Raffi, Worf, and the android, previously known as Data, can beam away. Yeah, he um, he so he goes to engage with the guards in a firefight, and they strike him with a transport inhibitor. It's kind of it's kind of it goes by visually fast, and the dialogue explaining it afterwards goes by really fast. But we see this force field like glow around Riker's body and that's the transport inhibitor grabbing him. And then when they beam back, either Worf or Rafi has a line about transport inhibitor stopped him from coming with us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a, it almost looked like a blow dart, mm-hmm. you know, like you see in the right movies where the African tribals have, have blow dart. That's kind of what it looks like. And then you see the little glow around him. So Worf promises to bring Riker home and says, quote, and fearful be the God or man or beast that stands in my way. A typical Worf Klingon uh, mm-hmm. line. Um, Bluster. Bluster. The, Klingons, the Klingons did kill their own gods. So that fits <laughs> yeah. with Klingon mythology. Yeah. Right. 
because uh, he doesn't yeah because he would normally if it was human say god help the person who stands in my way but you know this is he couldn't say that uh jack admits to picard to being a bit cocky which is funny because that's a lot like picard was when he was younger remember that whole thing <laughs> he, when he admits being a bit cocky picard says a bit <laughs> <laughs> picard you were a bit cocky uh, when he took on the Nausicans. Yeah, uh, you got that artificial mm-hmm. heart. Remember that? Yes. Now he's artificial everything. Uh, so you mentioned that the the new data, the new Android, uh, Sung designed it to age and to be look more human, like that whole thing, mm-hmm. just to explain why Brent Spiner doesn't look like he does 35 years ago. <laughs> and also why he doesn't have to put on so much, you know, yellow Gold, glitter, yeah. glitter pancake makeup. Yep. Yep. Uh, so well, what, they, 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 instead of calling it like data or something like that, they call them M510, M5, Android M510. Right. And uh, for the moment, he'll once they get the multiple personalities sorted out, he's he'll be data. He'll be data. Yep. Um, and Jordy, who's an expert in data, uh, is man, is the one who manages to get him operational and to get him to start communicating. And so we have we hear data speak, then lore, then B4 and then Sung. Like in succession. So we mm-hmm. have like a series of, of these personalities come out. We don't hear Lal. Yeah. No. Which is too bad. They could get the original actress. I'm sure she, she was young. I'm sure she's still alive. She could do a little bit of voice work for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they they kind of tease out of him. Like they think that he's only referring <sighs> to Picard who's standing in, fr- in front of him. And the new model has holographic projector eyes. Yes. Well, that seems like an obvious upgrade. That's like creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, at least when he does a presentation, he could do his own PowerPoint slides. Yeah. <laughs> Next slide. So he he's so they're saying to him, "What yeah, did blinked. what what did the changeling steal?" And he keeps saying, "John Luke Picard," and and they think he's just responding to the captain, but he's actually telling them the answer. They stole yeah. John Luke Picard. Finally, he turns on his creepy projector eyes. <laughs> And conjures an image of of Picard's human remains. They look like they're in a state of they're, they're cryogenically frozen or something. Mm-hmm. And and they're going, oh, they stole his human remains. Cool. So, what what would they want with Picard's human remains and the, Picard's son? Right. Is yeah. it the implants? The Borg implants? Perhaps. See, that's that's that seems like the easy answer, but the fact that they want Jack mm-hmm. doesn't quite play that. Unless they want to say that somehow Jack inherited the the implants as or well. Jack is biologically compatible with them, maybe. It could be biological compatibility. There's obviously some kind of of genetic and and or psycholo- and psychological conditioning that's happening here with Picard and Jack in their past that's essential to the plan, but they haven't told us what it is yet. Well, and it's the, 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 it seems like, you know, Picard is supposedly free from implants. Like all of them have been removed. There's no more Borg in him, but yet he can still hear the Borg, Mm -hmm. which we see like in first contact. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're trying to figure that out, how he can still have that connection without any actual noticeable implants. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, Whatever it is, it needs to be big. Because they've they've set this up as whatever they really stole was a weapon that's more important. And Shaw, I think, has a line of even like it must be a weapon that's 10 times worse than the portal gun. So whatever their plan is, Picard's body and Jack 
are essential to making a weapon that is 10 times more impressive than the portal gun. Mm -hmm. So uh, listener Eric wrote in, I didn't, it's not part of our feedback, but uh, he wrote in his theory is that the conspiracy bugs are still involved and that they've infected the changelings Hmm. and Mm. that they're somehow involved in this and that it's the Borg implants that are key to this because maybe they want, if the conspiracy bugs can get control of the, the Borg, perhaps that would be a big deal. It would be it would be interesting if that was if that was the plan to or I, I, I from what I've seen. So some fans have apparently been given access to the full series before yes. it aired. Yeah. And according to them, while they're they signed NDAs, I guess, so they can't say a lot. But they've indicated the the ones I've seen that the conspiracy bugs are are not involved. OK, but it mm. could be that the the plan is to use Picard's remains somehow as Borg stuff um, and to seize control of the Borg. That would be interesting. Um, it would kind of cut against the writing decisions they made last season where they had some of the Borg join the Federation. Yeah. Um, but I, sus- I mean, I, if I had a guess, given that Jack has some kind of super soldier programming, I would assume that, and it could be Borg implants. Maybe, maybe they're going to turn ordinary people into super soldiers and burn down the Federation. Um, right. Maybe Jack is actually a Section Thirty One project to create a super soldier next gen or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's oh well. I mean, we'll find out. Well, obviously, we got, yeah, we get a couple more episodes. <laughs> four, four more episodes to resolve this. So. Yeah. So any other notes from this episode that you want to cover before we go into our feedback? Well, well, of course, you know, we got to do the the final scene. Is that actually Deanna Troy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I Um, bet. So we see we see Riker, you know, he's brought onto Vatic ship and he's not going to talk until he sees Troy. And she's the last one. You know, last scene you see is her crying in this holding cell. Is it really her? I and we know that and Riker knows that Vatic is a changeling. So. I have a feeling at least at the start, they're going to do the, are you really her mm-hmm. and things like that. But I don't know. I, I bet it is really her. I could be mistaken, but that would be my guess. Especially if Beverly is going to turn out to be a changeling. Having two female yeah. changelings in the plot would be yeah. a little From much. the next gen cast. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be, that would be too much. I think it is. I think they're going to, they don't want to spin this out to every more you know, conspiracy theories and all that other stuff. I think it's just, they're going to go straight forward. They, they need to have the real Deanna in the show and mm-hmm. as an active character, not just as someone making a phone call and they only have four episodes left. So it would, if they had it, this yeah. be a Deanna changeling, it would take, it would drastically cut down the time of the real Deanna will get on screen. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So I, I'm with that. All right. Uh, any other final thoughts on this one? I have one. Um, so during when when they're when they're making their initial pitch to Jordy and he's shutting them for help and he's shutting them down, his other daughter, Alandra, le- leans down and says, Dad, what about Hangar 12? And he shuts that down Mm. and Mm. they never tell us what's in Hangar 12. Now, it could be the bounty 
that they end up using, but they don't establish that. Mm. And so I want payoff on Hangar 12. I want to know what's in Hangar 12 and what she was proposing. So we may get follow up on that. Right. Yeah. And by calling it a hangar, it sounds more like something inside instead of a yeah. parking spot. Yeah. You know, like that, that it's a spot inside of the station itself that they can pull the Titan into or, or there's something in there that they, they can use mm-hmm. in the process. So. Um, one thing that they, they mentioned and the reason why Jordy's not happy about uh, them being there is he mentions that all the ships are interconnected. So in other words, all the ships are now Internet of Technology devices that phone home all the time and they <laughs> contact each other. It's like, OK, you've got all your ships on a Wi-Fi network. Number one, hasn't that been the case always? And number two, turn off your router. If you're hiding, turn off your router. Yeah. Right, right. At at a minimum, you would think the ships would have had, and we know they do, friend or foe devices. Yeah. And this goes back to last season when it was all the Borg tech they installed that internetworked everything and made it a problem. Like, after that, you didn't disconnect it <laughs> like, maybe that, we, that might be a reference to this too yeah I mean. that it's, I mean, they should have yeah it, it also kind of reminds me of Battlestar Galactica and that whole problem well yeah. it's like yep. didn't you guys watch Battlestar Galactica if your ships are networked yeah. it's a vulnerability <laughs> that's right that's right you need the ability to turn off the network right yep um, alright so let's uh, move on to our listener feedback and our first feedback is uh, some more general feedback goes all the way back to the beginning of Secrets of Star Trek and this comes Ooh. from the beginning yeah. <laughs> this comes from uh, Love's Box Bangs on Twitter who writes I just finished Secrets of Star Trek number 13 uh, from September 2018 that was, that was the first episode that the three of us did that's right we were, it was uh, on being Star Trek fans we were talking about being fans and getting started Fun is, uh, she says, fun to hear Dom speculate on the potential for a new show centered around Picard. Nailed it, Dom, which is nice, uh, but it, it was a very passing re- uh, reference. I want to point out that at 47 minutes of that episode, Jimmy predicts the plot of the last three seasons of Discovery, a leap into the 30th century where there's been a collapse of civilization. <laughs> Good job on that one, Jimmy. Just, just, it was just didn't obvious get the, to me. Yeah, mm, yeah. <laughs> just didn't get the uh, uh, the USS emotional discovery part. <laughs> no, it was our worst uh, worst nightmares. So uh, then, on last uh, episode, which was imposters, Wayne M via YouTube writes, "Love you guys. I'll always look forward to hearing these talks post Picard. Also look forward to the rest of the next gen movies to be talked about." And you will we will get to those. Mm-hmm. Yep. Once uh, once these seasons are done of the new stuff. And then on today's episode, we got some uh, feedback in advance on the bounty. Chris S sent an email still enjoying Picard, but the bounty was probably my least favorite episode. We were bombarded with fan service. The Geordie character arc felt like a multi episode plot crammed into the A plot. And overall, it just felt like an episode that needed to introduce and or move all the characters into position for the stretch run of the season. Still loving the show and not complaining. Just an episode I'd rate as a B rather than A. However, I did chuckle at seeing James T. Kirk's remains preserved at Daystrom Station. Poor Picard had to drag his body up that mountain and bury him only to have his labor undone by (laughs) Section 31. I'm telling you, it was a signal for Section 31. Jack obviously has super soldier training. Section 31 has Picard's body. Picard is obviously has a deep history with Section 31, which <laughs> may be maybe how Riker knows about them. So he, dry, he he 
for no good reason. You know, yeah. there's no obvious reason. Oh, my friend has died. Let's drag his body up to the top of a mountain and put <laughs> rocks on it. Okay. That was a signal. Come yes. on. Don't be sheeple. It's all a signal to Section 31. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris continues, I also have to give the show credit for teasing Moriarty as a main villain, only to have him basically be a cameo. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then a question for you all. In general, are these numerous callbacks to other Trek series all just Easter eggs for the fans or fan service? Or is there a mm -hmm. Chekhov's gun hiding in plain sight? Of course, meaning the playwright, not the TOS character. I also wonder if the Enterprise D will return in some fashion. It's referenced in the bar in the first episode and Shaw joked about it later. Again, hard to tell what's an Easter egg and what's a clue that will be paid off later. Finally, and one of the few redeeming aspects of Star Trek Nemesis was that they finally correctly used Troy when she was able to help them target the cloaked ship using her Betazoid skills in the final battle. I wonder if they'll do the same thing, something similar with her in this series, as they've definitely bolstered characters like Crusher and Jordy. Thanks for a great show. Looking forward to Mondays as much as Thursdays. Father Corey, you were going to say? I, 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 you know, I will say that's one thing I have enjoyed about this this series, this or this season, is he has thrown things in that are just pure Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. You know, they're there just to be eye candy. You know, Moriarty and really, really is is was one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, he was just there to kind of point to to data. Yeah, but he wasn't a you know major character. It wasn't even the Moriarty. This wasn't even the one that's flying around space in the little hollow cube right. on Picard's desk. You know, this was an, an image of him. This, so, but there's been other. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, but there's been lots of other Easter eggs. I I want to say that the the Enterprise D was merely an Easter egg. Yeah, I, it was it was just they wanted that line about nobody wanted the fat one. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I and, and I, I so and and because I mean, there's half the the D is gone. All you have at West, you got the saucer section is left. Yeah. If they and did it, recover it, was, it whole. It was smashed up. Right. Yeah. So I don't think the D will come back. You know, maybe we'll see the F because supposedly the Enterprise F is out there now. Yeah. At this time. Yeah. So I think that by, I mean, including Moriarty in this, in the trailers for this season was, you know, very stimulating for fans. It's like, oh, wow, we, he's coming back. And, and it conveyed, it did tend to convey the impression he was going to be a major villain, which would have been really cool. But trailers are made by publicity departments not by the showrunners. And so I think, and their job is to get people to watch, not mm -hmm. to keep them from being disappointed when they watch. Um, so I think that the publicity department did do a bit of a disservice by featuring Moriarty in that way. It would have been better for him to be a surprise. And then we'd all have the, Ooh, it's Moriarty when he suddenly shows up on screen and we wouldn't have expectations of him being a major villain based on the trailers. But the job of trailers is to get people to watch. Um, when there was something else, uh, connected with that, um, the Easter eggs. Oh yeah. The Easter eggs. So I think a lot of these are just, it's just fan service, which is fine. I think there are elements that will pay off some things that initially were kind of Easter eggy have turned out to be central, you know, to, to what's happening now. And I expect that'll continue, but other than the thoughts that, I and we have shared in this episode, I don't have any special insights on which of the Easter eggs are likely to be paid off, but, but I expect some of them will be. 
See, that was that was sorry. That was that was part of the point. I was I was I kind of forgot to finish up with my thoughts was, you know, that he does take Easter eggs like, say, the closing credits. Mm-hmm. You know, I've brought that up several times. There are elements in the, in the closing credits that he has paid off. And some of them are actual plot issues like almost all know, of them now. Yeah. yeah. You know, and showing things like uh, the Fleet Museum and what ships are parked there, showing that the, the USS Constance being at Wolf 359, things like and that. The music, that are, the musical notes. Pop and the music. Weasel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm not a musician, but I'm assuming that's what that is. <laughs> See, there you, yeah, actually, I've been trying to figure that out, what that is. So I'm going to have to go back and look at that. And I, I think you're right. I think that is yeah. actually Pop Goes the Weasel. That's on the musical notes. So. Things like that, that he's done a very good job of bringing in Easter eggs. And some of them stay Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. Some of them are, you know, little cameos like Moriarty. And some of them are actually plot devices, plot elements that Mm -hmm. he pays off an episode or two later. So, and that's, I give him, I give him credit for that. I mean, he's done a very good job of bringing all this in. And of course, you know, he is a Star Trek fan. That's where I mentioned, you know, that little throwaway line in relics that he then pays off at the fleet museum. You know, the, this is the final season of Picard. This is essentially going to the end of next gen, you know, as far as we know, Mm -hmm. as far as they said. And so this could be just, bringing together all of the things we love from next gen into one final goodbye, you know, and all of these big elements. And that's what the Easter eggs probably are for in in many cases is we're going to be bringing together those bits and pieces that we remember most. We've we had a reference to Darmok and Jalad already, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess we've already seen the flute, by the way, the, the, the flute when he had that experience very early on. Yeah. I mean, I think that this season we're going to we're getting a lot of Easter eggs that have to do with just closing it out, you know, bringing us back around the pop goes the weasel thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's part of it, too. Um, Just closing things out. Well, I don't don't think the door is fully closed, but no. Yeah. Mm. And and should say again, I know I I think each of us have said this least once. Star Trek Titan win. (laughs) Right. Right. I haven't said that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you haven't. Well, yeah. Dom and I have. Yeah. <laughs> well, we did, the fans were able to do that for Strange New Worlds. Maybe we can get it done for uh, Strasburg Titan. <laughs> or Worf and Rafi. Or Worf and Rafi. I know. I want more Worf. I just, uh, more than, I, more, yeah, that's for sure. I, I'd rather have the Titan. If we're going to do a new series, keep, let's have <laughs> as I, I would Shaw be up for I would be up for Star Trek Titan if Shaw is the captain. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. All right. I think we should wrap things up there. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Mark B, Nellie B, Lindsay, Pat D, and Laura M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. That's it from us. What did you think of The Bounty? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Trek. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to Trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. Let us know if the bounty made you want to mutiny. (laughs) Yes. Oh, Uh, no mutinies on my bounty. You can now watch The Secrets of Star Trek in video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Picard called Dominion. Until mm. then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you and kapla. And Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. 
Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on Starcrest. And remember, we're all going to die. Bye.